Well, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this time. We ask that as we come before your word, that you would give us your grace, that you would enlighten our hearts, that we would um, know you more, um, that our eyes would be filled with your glory, that it would transform our hearts, um, and that we would receive your mercy and go forth, uh, being an expression of your goodness, your grace in this world. So come now and lead us, O Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, it's been, it's been a, uh, nice for me to be going through the Psalms of Ascent uh, with you all. I pray that it's been fruitful for you as well. Uh, we're looking at Psalm 123 today, which is short, just four verses. We just uh, said it together. And what I think uh, this psalm is inviting us to consider is how we are called to respond to the challenges that we face in this world. I thought somebody was talking to me. It was somebody walking by. Uh, how specifically... We are called to respond when we face contempt and scorn. So verses three and four say, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. And so it's this pain and this exhaustion that we hear in this verse, uh, dealing with the scorn and the contempt of the proud and the comfortable that the psalmist is expressing here. We've had more than enough of the contempt. You could almost hear like the exhaustion in his voice. And I think uh, that we can all resonate with that to varying degrees. We have all felt, whether implicitly or explicitly, uh, the scorn and contempt of a society that seems to generally think that Christianity or Christians specifically are the source of all society's woes. That we've sort of become society's whipping boy or the scapegoat in many ways for all of society's ills. And surely we are not blameless. Um, we need to face uh, our involvement in the residential school system. We need to face our involvement in abuse scandals um, that happened within the church that we let go on for a long time, that we turn a blind eye to, uh, that we try to cover up sometimes. There's much that we need to face. We need to face our failings and our sinfulness, and our brokenness. We cannot turn a blind eye to those things. Certainly, we are not blameless, but also we are not um, the sole bearers of all responsibility for society's ills. And sometimes I think we can feel that scorn and contempt. So the question I think becomes, at least for me, how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we deal with it when we feel contempt and scorn? And how do we do so specifically, this is, and more importantly, with integrity and faithfulness and righteousness? Because that's what really matters, right? And I do think that Psalm 23 helps us do that. It answers those questions and it guides us on a path that I believe prevents us from becoming contemptuous and scornful ourselves, because that's the danger. So first, Psalm 23 tells us to lift our eyes to God. That's the first thing that it says. To you, I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens, verse 1 says. And this reminds us that one of the biggest temptations that we face when we deal with contempt and scorn is to focus entirely on the offense itself or on the offenders themselves. 
We can see nothing. When something, when we feel contempt or scorn, all we can see is the wrong that has been done to us. All we can think about is the hurt that we feel from it. All we can focus on is the pain or the shame that, that they have inflicted upon us. That can be all we see. That's our full vision. Who here hasn't lost hours of sleep when you have dealt with scorn or contempt and replaying that scenario in your mind for hours and hours, all the things you should have said or all the things you're going to say next time. And you go down this, like all these rabbit holes of what you could have done, what you should have done and what you will do next time. And you're going to make sure you stick up for yourself. And, you know, you, go, you, you could spend hours and hours doing this. It can be so easy for us to waste so much time and energy focusing on the offense or the offenders themselves. But what Psalm 123 says is take your eyes off of those people, take your eyes off of those things, their words, their actions, their condescending remarks, whatever it might be, take your eyes off of those things and lift them unto God. Focus on him. And what we're going to see in the rest of the Psalms of Ascent is that God works on behalf of his people. That's the beautiful thing. Psalm 124 tells us that the Lord is our helper and that he fights for us. Psalm 125 tells us that the Lord protects us and shields us like mountains around Jerusalem. Psalm 126, that the Lord restores us. Psalm 127, that the Lord works on our behalf. On and on, the Psalms of Ascent will go, showing us and demonstrating to us all the ways that God continues to care for us and work on our behalf. So we don't have to waste our time focusing on the offenses and the ways that we have been hurt, the scorn and contempt that maybe we have felt, we can lift our eyes unto God. He will work for us. That's the first invitation of Psalm 123. That's why Psalm 123 says, To you I lift my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. The image here isn't of servants and maidservants in terms of the social dynamics of slaves and masters. This is about a posture and position of humble trust and dependence. That's the invitation of Psalm 123. Come before God, lift your eyes to him in this posture of humble dependence upon him, not trying to strike for yourselves, but waiting for him to act. One commentary said it like this. The simile in verse 2 seems to point to the humble and trustful dependence of the servant upon his master. And it is this same attitude of mind that characterizes the servants of God when they wait for God's intervention, when they wait for God to act on their behalf. This is not so much about a slave mentality, the commentary said, as it is about a right sense of proportion. That we need that humble posture of trusting that God will be the one to act and we wait upon him. We depend upon him. And so when we are scorned and treated with contempt, the temptation is to set our eyes on the offenders or the offenses themselves. And Psalm 123 says, lift your eyes to God in humble dependence and trust in his action, his work, that he will set things right. And then it goes on and says, in order for us to help to turn towards God, and not towards vengeance or to succumb to scorn or contempt ourselves, what does the psalmist pray for? He prays for mercy, doesn't he? 
I lift my eyes to you, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of, a ser of the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress. So we're looking with that humble dependence. What do I need from God? We're waiting for God. So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. This cry for mercy does two things. Both are so important. The first is it recognizes the truth that we are just as prone to revenge and vengeance as anyone else. And so it says to God, guard our hearts first and foremost. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Don't let us become hard-hearted. Don't let us become like those who scorn us and treat us with contempt. Don't let us repay evil for evil. You remember Paul's words. Do not repay evil for evil. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There was a really helpful image uh, in the book that we've been reading together, Eugene Peterson's book, uh, Long Obedience in, in, in the Same Direction. In an earlier chapter, he said this, all the water in all the oceans cannot sink the ship unless it gets inside. Nor can all the trouble in all the world harm us unless it gets within us. Isn't that true? All the contempt and all the scorn in all the world cannot ultimately harm us. The real danger is it can only do damage to us if we let it get within us and turn our hearts hard. And we become, become contemptuous and scornful of others. All the water and all the oceans cannot sink the ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in all the world harm us unless it gets within us. That's why we pray for mercy. Because we know that we are, we are just as prone, we are just as susceptible as anyone else towards contempt, towards scorn. When we are hurt, we do the same things back very often, or we're at least tempted to do the very, things back, very same things back. And so we must pray for mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Don't let the water get into the boat. Don't let the sin of the world get into our own hearts as well. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. Secondly, we pray for mercy because we need it. John Stott said this. I thought this was helpful. Mercy is the movement of love. When one sees another suffering uh, from misery, pain, or injustice. So it's that actual, it's that action towards another when you see them suffering. That's what mercy actually is. And when we are being with, treated with contempt and scorn, we actually need God to move towards us, don't we? Because it hurts. Like if we're actually honest about it, it hurts to be mistreated. It hurts to be scorned. It hurts to be treated with contempt, especially if it's just because we, 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 we follow God. These things actually do hurt us. And it's important to be honest about that because the temptation is we can pretend like it doesn't affect us. It doesn't hurt us. We sort of try to brush it aside, pretend like we're too tough for that. But what happens is that that wound then festers and it infects us when we're not honest enough to be, to be real about the hurts that we feel. That wound actually does damage to us. It festers within us and it, it gets infected and that infection just spreads throughout us, doesn't it? And sin manifests, will then manifest itself in all sorts of different ways if we don't deal with that root issue, if we don't come before God and ask for his mercy, ask for his love to come towards us in that particular place. 
And so we need God's mercy. We need to, him to come to us in those places of hurt and scorn. We need him to act in those places that they don't fester and get infected. Psalm 123 says when you're feeling scorned or when you're feeling hurt, we need to lift our eyes to God and ask for mercy, that he would specifically come and minister to us in those places. We continue to ask for it as long as we need it. And we also ask for mercy so that we do not become perpetrators ourselves. And then finally, this psalm also reminds us that there's a need for patience in the Christian life as we deal with these things and we endure these hardships. And we see this again in the posture of the servant and the maidservant as they're waiting upon the Lord in verse 2. It's a posture of patience before God. Another temptation that we face is that we want revenge and we want it right now. Do something right now, O oh Lord. This has happened. It hurts. I want you to act right away. But patience, unfortunately, is required in the Christian life. Patience is necessary. I heard a quote from Stanley Hauerwas this week that I thought was helpful. He said, hope must be schooled by patience. So we have hope. We know that God will act. That's what all the other Psalms of Ascent are about. God will act on our behalf. He is bringing about righteousness and justice. His kingdom will fully come on this earth. It has already begun. But we do need some patience as we wait for the full culmination of his kingdom. And so Harawas said, hope must be schooled by patience. And if it's not, then what happens is it either becomes triumphalism or it becomes cynicism. If it comes about too quickly, we can, or what happens is, or we want it to happen too quickly, we could try and take control ourselves, right? That's what triumphalism is. We're just going to grab control for ourselves and we're going to win the victory. We're not going to wait for God to do it. Or it can feel like we're waiting so long that we just give up hope. And he says, hope must be schooled by patience. Otherwise it will turn into a triumphalism or cynicism. But we are to wait patiently in hope. And this is how God actually works towards us, is it not? God is not patient, Peter said, or God is not slow in the way that people count slowness. He's patient towards us, not, not wanting any uh, to reach, or not wanting any to perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is his desire for all of creation, for all people. And when we practice patience, we join him in that. So as we endure these things, as we face these things, um, we need God's patience. We need to trust in his sovereignty, his authority, his control. And that patience is sort of that active expected, expectant posture that we see in the maidservant and the servant, waiting for God to ask, act, trusting that God will act, lifting our eyes to him, knowing that he will work on behalf of his people. And so I think the question for us is, how do we respond when we feel hurt, when we feel scorned, or when we feel the contempt of others? Do we seek revenge? Do we seek to try to get vengeance for ourselves? Do we let that hurt fester and take up all sorts of real estate within our own hearts? Or can we exercise patient trust in God? Are we able to set our eyes upon him? ask for him to come and meet us in those places of hurt and to trust that he will act in his right and perfect timing. 
I think those are the questions for us today. I wanted to close with this. I sort of just edited Psalm 123. And so I, I offer this as a, as a closing prayer. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our souls have had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. To you, O Lord, we lift our eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So now let us respond to, uh, to the words of scripture and to Trevor's sermon in, in prayer. And I think we could move directly to uh, prayers of the people and, and let you pray. Um, trying to include prayers here and prayers over Zoom. So uh, don't, so for those of you who are here, don't feel that you have to come up to the mic. You can pray where you are. Unfortunately, those of you who are on Zoom will not hear them. But when they start, I will say to you, O Lord, or something charismatic like that. And I'll finish with a very Anglican, your mercy, hear our prayer. Then you will know that someone here is praying and you can um, pray um, after that or before. So you know the order. Uh, so let us, so for those of you who are on Zoom, please um, unmute yourself, turn your camera on, and, uh, and let us pray and respond to the sermon. 